Dominance. Albert Pujols has dominated baseball for the past decade. Ted Williams dominated in the 40s. Babe Ruth dominated in the 20s. Barry Bonds broke the single-season home run record in 2001 and the career record in 2007. But is Barry Bonds the most dominant home run hitter of all time? No freaking way. I'm Alex Reisner, and you're listening to Game of Chance, a show about baseball statistics, history, culture, and the role of luck in baseball. Now, I'm not talking about steroids here, so whatever you think of the man named Barry Bonds, forget about it, because for the next 10 minutes, I'm just talking about numbers. Peter Keating wrote an article in a recent ESPN magazine where he tries to fix the career home run leader list. He takes the list and adjusts players' totals according to their dominance in their era. So it's not just based on raw totals, but how hard it was for players to get those totals. Now this is a great idea, but Keating completely screws it up. I don't even want to read you his list because it's so wrong. Well, okay, I'll read you the list. But seriously, you should probably try to forget it. Now remember, this is the all-time home run leader list, with totals adjusted based on dominance. Hank Aaron, 724. Babe Ruth, 663. Barry Bonds, 660. Mel Ott, 650. Willie Mays, 628. Reggie Jackson, 595. Frank Robinson, 578. Ted Williams, 569. Mike Schmidt, 557. And Harmon Killebrew, 552. That's his top 10. So there are some things in general that I agree with about this list. Mel Ott and Ted Williams are higher on this list than on the real list and Bonds loses about 100 home runs. Beyond that, it's pretty weird. Babe Ruth, who went from 714 down to 663, should not lose home runs because of a lack of dominance, and I don't think Reggie Jackson should gain any. The problem with this list is that he's used some pretty naive math to come up with it, which also leads him to conclude that, quote, in 2001, Bonds was eight home runs per 100 plate appearances better than the league a measure of dominance that exceeds any posted by Ruth. Now that's just wrong. It's just absolutely wrong. And before I get into the math and why he's so wrong, let me just warn you, I'm about to throw some concepts at you, and it's not anything that confusing, but I just want to give you a heads up. Also, if you want to go deeper than what I'm about to talk about, you can see my website, alexreisner.com baseball, for a lot more detailed information. So let's think about dominance for a minute. It helps to get away from baseball, so let's imagine a hot dog eating contest where the players have 10 minutes to eat as many hot dogs as they can. There are 100 players in the contest, and let's say the winner eats 40 hot dogs. The other 99 guys are all tied for second place with 20. I'd say the winner dominated pretty thoroughly. I think you probably agree, but what do I mean when I say he dominated? I think I mean things like this. One, he had way more than the average. Two, everyone else was very close to the average. And three, nobody was very close to his score. So I think when we're talking about dominance, what everyone else did is just as important as what the player in question did. For whatever reason, it was very difficult to eat more than 20 hot dogs. I can imagine a lot of reasons why it's hard to eat 20 hot dogs, but these guys are professionals. Maybe they got bigger as the contest went on. We don't know exactly why it was so hard, but the numbers tell us that 99 out of 100 people ate exactly 20, so clearly 
it was very hard to do any better. And this is what makes the winner's score so dominant. It's not just that he was way ahead of everyone else. It's that everyone else performed so similarly. There weren't any other standouts. Now let's imagine a second contest. In this one, the winner eats 50. Yikes. The guy in second place eats 45, third place eats 40, fourth place eats 35, and so on, down to 20. 80 guys are tied with 20, and the remaining 14 guys ate 15, 10, or 5 each. So this is pretty similar to the first contest in that most people ate 20 hot dogs. The average score in both contests is 20, but in the second, 6 guys ate more than 20, and second place was only 5 behind the winner. So even though the winner of this contest ate more than the winner of the first, I'd say he was less dominant because the runners-up were closer. And I think this is our intuition, that if you dominate, you win, and nobody is even close. Now, the system Peter Keating used in his article doesn't recognize dominance like this. According to that system, the winner of our second contest is more dominant simply because he has more above the average than the first winner. But that's not enough to establish dominance. What Keating should have done was to look at z-scores. Z-score is a statistical method for measuring dominance. It takes everyone's scores into account and gives you a single number for each player. I've calculated z-scores for the hot dog contests, and the z-score for the first winner is 10. The z-score for the second winner is just under 5, which means the first winner is about twice as dominant as the second, which is exactly the kind of result we're looking for. It's a statistical device that mirrors our intuition about what it means to dominate. So getting back to baseball, let's look at Bonds and Ruth using z-scores. As Keating says, in 2001, Bonds had a little more than 8 home runs per 100 plate appearances above the league average. In 1927, Babe Ruth had a little less than 8 home runs per 100 plate appearances above the league average. So by the flawed method, Bonds does look a little better. But let's look at the league averages in those years. In 2001, the league average was 2.9 home runs per 100 plate appearances. In 1927, it was under 1. So the league average for home runs was much lower in 1927, but the really important thing is that if you look at the number of players who were very close to the league average, you'll see that in 1927 nearly everybody was very close, whereas in 2001 there was a much wider range of home run totals. In 2001, Bonds hit 73 home runs, but Sosa hit 64, Luis Gonzalez hit 57, Sean Green and Todd Helton both hit 49, Richie Sexton hit 45, and so on. Back in 1927, Ruth hit 60, Gehrig hit 47, and in third place was Tony Lazari with 18. There were only 8 players in the whole league who even hit 10 home runs. So yeah, Ruth hitting 60 when most guys couldn't hit 10 was way more dominant than Bonds hitting 73 when a lot of guys hit 30. So if we look at z-scores for those seasons, Bonds in 2001 is 4.4, and Ruth in 1927 is 6.4, which means Ruth was almost 50% more dominant than Bonds. Anyone who tries to tell you that Bonds was more dominant than Ruth is missing something. Trust me on this, 1927 wasn't even Ruth's most dominant season. In 1920, he hit 54 home runs, and no one else even hit 20. The next year he hit 59, and no one hit more than 24. Actually, seven of the 10 most dominant home run hitting seasons of all time are Babe Ruth's. Bonds' 2001 season is nowhere near any of them. 
In terms of Z-score, Bonds' 2001 is probably most similar to Mike Schmidt's 1980 when he hit 48 home runs and Bob Horner was second best with 35. I've been looking at Z-scores for years. I created a website that lists Z-scores for every standard offensive stat for every player season going back to the 1800s. And I can tell you, without any hesitation, that when it comes to hitting home runs, nobody has ever been more dominant than Babe Ruth. No matter how you measure it, whether it's home run rate or raw totals, not only are his numbers dominant, his dominance is dominant. I'd talk about the runners-up, but it's like winning a marathon by two hours. Who cares who finished second? Almost every year that Ruth played from 1918 to 1931 was among the most dominant home run hitting seasons ever. No one else in history has more than five really dominant seasons. Ruth has 13. And those guys with five really dominant seasons are not who you probably think. It's Cactus Cravath, who was the big home run hitter just before Ruth, and Mel Ott in the 30s. Those guys are the runners-up, but Ruth's dominance was much greater and much longer-lasting. Bonds' 73 home runs in 2001 came when the league average was at its highest ever. We don't yet know all the reasons. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it was way easier to hit home runs in 2001 than it was in 1927. We know because more players did it. All right, so you're probably wondering, using Z-scores, who are the most dominant players around today? Well, there really aren't any very dominant home run hitters. The guys who are worth talking about are the young guys hitting triples and stealing bases. Carl Crawford, Michael Bourne, Jacoby Ellsbury. But the best of these over the past five years is Jose Reyes. When Reyes is healthy, he's one of the best base stealers and triple hitters ever. His raw totals might not be as high as some guys from 50 or 100 years ago, but it was a different game back then. With the Z-score, we can level the playing field and see how great Reyes is. He led the National League in 2005, 06, and 08, hitting 17, 17, and 19 triples respectively. Again, those aren't the highest numbers you've heard, but the league average has gone down steadily since 1920. And with today's emphasis on power hitting and walks, hitting triples is becoming sort of a lost art. As for pitchers, few of the big boppers just retired. Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, and Kurt Schilling were three of the most dominant pitchers in several stats. If you look at enough Z-scores, I think you can actually make a case for Pedro Martinez being the second or third most dominant pitcher ever. Of course, his peak wasn't that long, but during those few years, he was scarier than just about anyone. I'm talking about Bob Gibson 1968 territory, or Walter Johnson 1912. As for active pitchers, the most impressive stat is probably Roy Halladay's complete games. In an era when pitchers are not really expected to go more than seven innings, Halliday has pitched nine complete games each of the past two years, and he's already got seven this year. Halliday is another master of a lost art. There's really no one like him. Even Ubaldo Jimenez, in all his 15 wins this season, has only finished three games. You can look at all the Z-scores you want if you go to my Baseball Stats website at alexreisner.com baseball slash stats. It only has offensive stats, but I'll be coming out with a new site soon that will have all the stats. Speaking of dominance, if you can, you have to watch the Texas Rangers. Josh Hamilton, when he's healthy, might be the most exciting player I've ever seen. The guy's got ridiculous power to all fields. He's fast. He can field. He just hit his 31st double. He leads the league in extra base hits, 
batting average, total bases, runs created, and he's in the top 10 in just about everything else. Vlad Guerrero usually hits before him, so you've got two of the most exciting players in the game hitting back-to-back. You've got Michael Young and Nelson Cruz with 12 home runs each. Ian Kinsler and Elvis Andrews in the middle infield. This is a great team. If their pitching holds up and the team's bankruptcy situation doesn't become a distraction, they may cause some real trouble in October. So anyway, that's my advice. Check out my Z-Score website at alexreisner.com slash baseball slash stats and watch some Rangers games. I'm Alex Reisner, and you've been listening to Game of Chance. If you want to talk, give me a call, 32323-00233. If you want to write, leave a comment on the website, gameofchance.alexreisner.com.